gospel lesson comes from the gospel of John. This is the story of Lazarus. Uh, And so hear now and listen for how God is speaking to you through these words of John's gospel. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. But Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Jesus said to them Unbind him and let him go. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. On this All Saints, All Souls Day, I want to keep things simple. God is for us. God is for us. There you have it. That's the message of scripture. That's Jesus' message to us. God is for us. Because that's, that's who God is. And God was for us even before we knew God or had heard of God. God was for us. And so on this All Saints Day, I say with all Assurance that those that we remember today in our liturgy and those that we remember in our hearts, we remember, uh, or I say in full assurance, that they have eternal life. Whatever that means. I'm not entirely sure what eternal life means or what it looks like or what uh, being with God is like. But we do know, we have this promise that we will never be separated from God. Even death cannot separate us from God. And so we can proclaim that those that have died have eternal life. And why do they have it? Not because of anything they did, but because of who God is. That is God's nature. And there are, have been times in our faith's history and, and some uh, faith traditions have thought of, of our faith being mostly something that's as, uh, 
it's more about getting to heaven. You know, it's a kind of insurance policy that the goal of the Christian is to get to heaven uh, or at least to avoid hell. I, but I think that's a very inward-looking and selfish faith to say that it's all about my own personal salvation and me working uh, toward gaining it. And as I preached a few weeks ago, I think that thinking about God that way turns God into a, a kind of merchant. You know, God is the, not that there's anything wrong with merchants, but that God, it portrays God as this kind of uh, seller of grace that has grace and says, I will give this to you. Well, I won't give this to you. I will let you buy this from me by doing what I want you to do. Uh, and then we have to hope that we have done the right thing. I, that's not, not who we are and that's not who God is. We're a faith that follows Jesus. It's not about getting to heaven or avoiding hell. It's a faith that very much is about trying to bring a taste of heaven to those who are here and who are in a hell of their own, whatever that might look like. We're to make this world look more like God's world, more like the kingdom, and to do so by living in a community of love as a model to others, that this is what God calls us to be as humanity. And so we gather here in these walls on Sundays uh, partly to train ourselves, to be trained on how to live as this community of love and to be a model of what that looks like. Uh, but to do so not with the expectation that people on the outside will look through our windows and then see what we're doing and go, oh, that's what it looks like. But with the expectation that we take what we learned here about living in love, take it outside the walls and live it in our daily routine with whoever it is that we encounter during the day and wherever that might be. We are the saints of today who are training the saints of tomorrow, just as we have been trained by the saints that have come before us, including those that we remember this morning. I was uh, on... Thursday, we had our Northwest Association Executive Committee meeting, and we always start those meetings with devotionals, and uh, um, Reverend Hinman from Medford led us in devotionals on Thursday, and part of that time was she had all of us go around the table and talk about, uh, answer the question, who were or who are the saints in your life? And not looking back at, you know, the capital S saints that have icons and candles and days named after them, but who are the normal people that we have known in our lives who have been saints for us? And as we went around the, the table, all of us, the, I don't know, 10 or 12 of us that were gathered there, the saints that we remembered were all normal people. They weren't particularly heroic. They'll never be canonized. They're not going to have a day named after them. But they all had profound effects on us, showing us how to live, how to live as faithful people, how to live in love and compassion and mercy and how to treat our neighbors. And there are some that will say the Christian vocation is to be out 
saving souls. But I, I think that puts a, a lot more burden on us than we're capable of. I don't think we can save souls. Only God can do that. And God has already done that in Jesus Christ. We can't be out saving souls. That is something God has already done. But we can be out uh, saving people from the hells that they're in. We can save those who feel unloved by loving them. We can let them know that they are loved. Those that are lonely, we can be with them so they're not alone. We can let people know that they matter. We can save people by letting them know that they're cared for, that we care about them, or that abusive relationships are not normal. It's not what God intends for them, that they have the dignity and the worth to go above that or to find ways out of it to be liberated from their oppressions or liberated from their exiles, as we uh, talked about in the adult Sunday school this morning. That's the Christian vocation, I think. Not to save uh, people from going to hell, which isn't a very biblical concept anyway, this idea of of a hell, a place of eternal torment. Uh, We're not saving them from that hell, but we're to help them and to help each other out of the hells that we're already in. The hells that are in our society and in our culture, whether it be poverty or even those that suffer from affluenza, those who are are so affluent that they're bored. That also can be a kind of bondage and a kind of a hell. Or whether it be homelessness or too much home or hunger or overconsumption. Whatever, whatever causes suffering, we are here to help with that. There's enough evil in the world and enough suffering in the world that we don't need to add more by telling people that there's this, uh, this afterlife of eternal torment if they don't do the right things. And to say that just to keep people in line. There's enough evil in the world already. And that's a religion of fear. That's not the religion of a God who is for us. That's a religion of a God who would seem to be very much against us. And unfortunately those uh, words seem to get preached around all of the natural disasters and big uh, accidents that we have, and it drives me crazy. And I've mentioned this before, you probably know this already, that it drives me crazy, but you know, we had Hurricane Sandy this last week, and it seemed like it was in, within minutes of Sandy making landfall in New England uh, that some of these preachers were already on TV and uh, on the radio and on the Internet saying that this hurricane is God's judgment on the Northeast or God's judgment on the United States. Most of them said it's God's judgment because we tolerate homosexuality. That seems to be the big sort of sin du jour uh, that these guys like, or if not that, it's feminism or abortion or uh, something else. Uh, And that's a, a perversion of scripture. That's not God. That's not, not God. 
And they do this after every disaster, it seems, whether it's a natural disaster or, uh, you know, or a human disaster, big accident or uh, mass shootings or something. And when I hear them say that, what I hear is that they think that God is a God who's ready to hate, maybe even eager to, to hate, uh, or if not that, certainly eager to, uh, to smite and destroy uh, whatever it is that God is against. And often their God is this omnipotent, you know, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing uh, God that can do whatever God wants. But it also seems to me that this God that they think is all-powerful is a very poor marksman. That God has to shotgun this 800-mile-wide hurricane uh, to get rid of the few people that God doesn't like and cause suffering for tens of millions of innocent people. And in the case of Sandy, it wasn't even just New England. It started down in Dominican Republic, Haiti, Cuba, uh, and worked its way up. It says that God uh, doesn't mind terrorizing and punishing tens of millions of uh, innocent people and is apathetic enough uh, you know, not to care about them. That's a God who's very much against us and not a God that is for us. And I don't think it's good Christian discipleship to say such things especially in the midst of tragedy, to blame it on uh, the victims. And I also never hear these people say that it's God's punishment because uh, we allow hunger or poverty or homelessness. It's never for that. It's always something else. God doesn't send hurricanes. It's a natural part of our climate. Same with earthquakes, tornadoes, volcanoes, you know, Accidents on the highway are not God's plan, not God's intent. Mass shootings are not God's intent. War is not God's intent. But God does inspire us to community. That's the lesson uh, of the saints that have gone before us, is this lesson of community. And certainly what Jesus talked about, this inspiring us to send aid when there is disaster and to help out people that go there to help out. You may have seen, there was a, a photo being passed around on uh, Facebook this past week. It was a house in New York that uh, had an extension cord coming out of the window uh, up to the sidewalk and a little fence here that it was draped over and it had a couple of those multi-outlet strips coming off the extension cord and there was a sign on it that said, we have electricity, so please use it to charge your phones, to charge your laptops, to charge whatever you need if you don't have power. Freely given. That's God at work. Those are the saints of today. Neighbors helping neighbors. You know, the hotels that opened their rooms to the homeless before the hurricane and that have opened their rooms now to people who are homeless because of the hurricane. Uh, you know, the New York City Marathon got canceled for today, but many runners were already in the city. So they said, well, we don't need to necessarily train for the run anymore. So they're out helping helping people dig out or do whatever it is that they need to do. And those runners that weren't able to get into the city yet, many of them have given their hotel rooms to those who need them, made them available to those who don't have a home. You know, all those utility workers that go there, the doctors, the construction people, all going to help out. Those are the saints of today. That's 
God at work. Not sending the hell of a hurricane and certainly not to punish, but inspiring us to serve in ways that help people get out of that. That is a God who is for us. And that's what God's realm looks like. And in that realm, we can put aside our differences and we can dine together as we will uh, dine at this table today. The church is a unique organization, maybe along with synagogues and mosques and temples, some other religious institutions. But the church is one of those few intentional communities in the world where people of uh, the whole political spectrum, the whole financial spectrum, the whole educational spectrum, where people who are so different come together intentionally to be with one another, where we are so often segregating ourselves from people different than us. The church is this unique place where people intentionally come together who have differences, but who do so knowing that we all have our primary identity in Christ and as God's people. And that, I think, is a very wonderful thing. And we gather and we say to the world, people with differences can live and work together. All it takes is love and a willingness to let go of the ego and the pride, uh, lust for power, and some of those other things, to just leave that at the door and come together. We can live together, even in our differences, You know, the saints have passed on to us this tradition that in so many ways, especially those that that gathered as the church where the church was persecuted, uh, and there are those even today, there are places where being a Christian is to be persecuted. We have gathered in defiance, in a sense, of the evil forces of the world that want to separate and that want to divide and that want to make us be against one another, the church has gathered in defiance of that to say, no, we're here for one another. That's what we're called to do. This is how we are meant to live. Because God is for us. God is for us. And God is for us so much that God sent Jesus to set this table and invite everyone to give up our differences and come and eat together. You may have seen in the, uh, in the news, but there are uh, lots of churches around the country that on Tuesday night, Election Day, are going to be holding communion services to remind us that whether Republican, Democrat, Independent, Green, uh, whatever, this is our table. We still come to this together no matter our political differences, in the hopes of maybe then reminding us when we get outside of these walls that we are still a people together. We're still God's people. And so God sent Jesus to set this table and invites us to come to it despite our differences, to come and eat in fellowship and in love and to do so with one another and to do so with all the saints of yesterday and all the saints of today and all the saints of tomorrow. Because God is for us. Amen.